God does not bless what His Word forbids. Next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? This is part two of our discussion urging those for polygamy to find out why the Bible is the best-selling book of the ages and to investigate the reason so many millions, even billions of people through the ages love and have loved and read and have read the Bible. Our co-host again is Dorothy Catlin. Thank you, Dorothy, for coming and sharing and and offering your input on this. Appreciate it very much. Always glad to be here. (laughs) And, of course, your input's highly valued, and we do appreciate your coming. You know, throwing everything out because of a bad experience in polygamy's religion is actually self-defeating. It wasn't God who caused your bad experiences in polygamy. It was evil men who did that. God is good. And we want to quote a passage from the Bible that you probably never read before. This is from Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I know the first time I read that, and I was just, it it led me to tears because I thought God was after me. I did not know that he had good plans for me, and he does. And, you know, this was a promise from God to ancient Israel. But the New Testament tells us that all of God's promises are yes in Christ. Those who know and love the biblical Jesus can be assured that all the great promises found in Scripture as it applies to your situation is yes. But how can you know about them if you don't learn about them? That's what we urge you to do. Don't throw it out. Check it out. And how can you experience God's promises if you reject or ignore his Jesus. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Following God and loving Jesus and becoming a disciple of Jesus is not a burden. Religion's a burden, not following Jesus. It's not the same thing as embracing your polygamy group leader or doctrine. It does not offer you a list of restrictions. It's not made up of laws and ordinances to follow or miserable covenants that you can't keep. It's grace, mercy, and love, and patience. And we have another verse that I personally have experienced and discovered its truth and God's faithfulness. I love this. This is Romans 14, 17, and 18. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So whoever serves God by not paying attention about eating restrictions. is not important. Right. Right. You know, that set me thinking. Jesus said, are you lacking so much understanding that you don't understand anything you eat goes right through and out? And and so the the gospel writer Mark says at that point, so thus he declared all foods clean. All foods clean. It's got nothing to do with what you put in your mouth. It's what comes out of your heart. That's right, right. (laughs) And they claim to be the kingdom of God. Right. But the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. You don't find that in the polygamy groups. Which comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit in In you. Exactly. Now, quite some time ago, we did a program discussing many examples that although Mormonism claims they follow Jesus, they actually do not believe much of what Jesus taught. 
Therefore, they do not follow the biblical Jesus, but a mythical person named Jesus. Genuine followers of Jesus believe what he taught, everything that he taught. In part one, we ask the question, the Bible claims to be God's word, so how can we believe the Bible's a good book if it's not God's word? Mormon doctrine places doubt on the reliability of the Bible. In doing so, they reject the biblical gospel, which is the only gospel from God. This is so important that we cannot discuss it too often. Instead of the biblical gospel, polygamists embrace their polygamous doctrine as the gospel because they believe it saves them. They believe polygamy is God's ladder to heaven. They believe in handling over assets and money and personal property in order to maintain membership in their group without which they cannot even go to heaven. They believe their polygamy group is God's incubation process to get them into heaven. All of Mormonism teaches that our time on this planet is a time of miserable probation with the message, watch out that you don't mess up. We have a quote. Yeah. This quote says, Mortal life is a probationary state where we are to be tried, proved as gold is tried in the crucible to see if we will keep all the commandments of God. That's Joseph Smielding's, Joseph Fielding Smith, sorry. <laughs> okay. Now, that whole statement is, is wrong. Uh, it's appalling. It is. Yes. It, it is appalling. That um, just means life is miserable. Uh, yeah. Stay at it. Mm-hmm. Stay at it because it's going to be miserable. That's what I grew up believing as well. Um, but we challenge those who Mormon find one place in the Bible that calls this a probationary state. Of course, life is full of trials and, and uh, temptations, but God is not a probation officer. Neither are his angels, and certainly Jesus isn't. Not everything that life throws our way is a probationary test from God. We're here to learn about the beauty and the glory and the goodness of God. And we're offered eternal basking under God's glorious and heavenly love. We can accept God's gift and his offer of eternal bliss or reject it. We are here, someone said, to glorify God and to love him forever. That's beautiful. It's not what the Mormon polygamy groups teach. If we accept God's gift... We cannot pay for it. We cannot earn it. We can't barter for it or live polygamy to get it. It's a gift. And receiving that gift with thanksgiving is the only way to enter into God's highest heaven. We don't earn it by keeping all the commandments that the LDS and the polygamy group saddle you with. That's not the way to heaven. Now, we suggest viewers who embrace Mormon doctrine that you review what you believe And why you believe it most likely is because someone told you to believe it and your feelings confirmed it was true. We have some questions we ask you to think about. Why reject the Bible as being the complete word of God and accept the words of man instead? Then proceed to use biblical names, biblical events and places and biblical people as examples to exalt Mormonism's religious beliefs. It's wrong to reject the Bible's reliability and then use it to promote your own religious ideas. This is what Jesus said about that. So Jesus was talking to the religious leaders of his day. Right. He said this, those who were the professional scribes, the professional Bible studiers. 
professional, <laughs> professional religious, religious leaders. <laughs> that's right. And the father who, oh, this is John 5, 30, 37 to 43. And the father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you've never heard. His form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I've come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. Now, that's, that, that, that's bringing in, why do people follow right. other people instead of Jesus? And he's bringing that out here in these last couple of verses. Well, you just, you don't love God. Yeah. The, vo the love of God is not abiding in you. Right. And the word. The right. Loving the word is the same as loving right. God. Rejecting the word is rejecting God and Jesus, of course. Joseph Smith, he says, you will receive someone else coming in his own name. And Joseph Smith fulfilled that. He rejected biblical inerrancy and, uh, and people have accepted him. Uh, Mormonism rejects the Jesus of the Bible and they receive and glorify Joseph Smith instead. Another person did come in his own name and in the name of polygamy and truth was thrown to the ground. Polygamists advise their people not to read the Bible, but trust their polygamous leaders instead. Rejecting the Bible is rejecting the only standard by which we can test for truth. It's the standard God gave us to test for the truth. Of course, they will try and uh, diminish it. But Jesus said this in John chapter 14. Mm. John 14, 6 to 9. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. I just hear the sighing in his no, voice when he says no, that. How long yeah. have you been with me that you don't get it yet? And you don't know me. Right? Yeah. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory. That describes Jesus. The only begotten of the Father. Mm -hmm. And we ask our viewers to think logically about this. It's not difficult, really, if you really want the truth. It's not difficult to understand. Jesus is either who he said he is or he isn't. Now, if he isn't, then he's a liar, a deceiver, a false messiah, and a false prophet. He either is or isn't the truth. And if he is the truth, then nothing he said can be untrue. 1 John 2.21 tells us no lie can come from the truth. Jesus said he was the truth. So when Jesus pointed to himself as the truth, he cannot be deceiving you. And if he is the truth, then changing or rejecting anything he said is not very wise. We ask all our Mormon and polygamous viewers, please check it out. We receive no benefit. We here, Dorothy and I or no one else, receive no benefit by expressing our concerns over your spiritual beliefs. We just want you to discover the beauty of God's truth, just like we have. We want to share God's good news with you. And if you reject it by embracing Mormonism, that does no harm to us. It doesn't help us or hurt us, 
but it will eventually do you harm. Most everyone who claims the Bible isn't trustworthy have not even read the Bible, not to mention studied it, and many of them haven't even opened the book. Now, Jesus also said that those who saw him has also seen the Father. Mm -hmm. Jesus is God. He proclaimed God. He, he, he represented God in his person. Colossians says the fullness of the, the deity lived mm -hmm. within Jesus Christ. He alone reveals the Father to mankind. So we suggest you study the Jesus of the Bible if you want to know the gospel, if you want to know God. When I discovered these things for myself, I was utterly speechless as I compared what I had been taught in the polygamy group with what the Bible actually teaches. Grace through faith in Jesus is the only method that God has for eternal life. No works allowed. No polygamy, no polygamy group included. Mercy and forgiveness comes from God the very moment that you embrace Jesus Christ as your exclusive way to heaven. God does not pursue us with modes of punishment every time you sin. God does not require us to suffer poverty and polygamy for him because it was God, because it was God himself who suffered on the cross for us. God has no eating restrictions. We talked about that previously. He has provided all food for our enjoyment. We have the scripture in Timothy for that one. 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 5. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who know, believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So coffee beans were made by God <laughs> for our good enjoyment, right? <laughs> if we receive it with thanksgiving and give God the credit exactly. for, for the good gift, then eat and, and enjoy. And I'm thankful every day I can drink coffee and still go to heaven, you know? <laughs> and, and when we know the truth of God compared with the restrictions of false and fake religions, we can see how they have tampered with God's word and twisted it to suit Mormon doctrine. Now, the only way that they can maintain your loyalty is to lie about what God said, to change it into what they want you to do, to control your life and to serve them instead of serving God with the false claim that you are serving God. The only way they can successfully accomplish that is to claim you cannot trust the Bible. But God said you can trust the Bible, and that's the end of it. Through the centuries, God has proven his faithfulness and truthfulness. Polygamy groups teach that the revelation of polygamy is the highest principle of the gospel. The Bible never says that. Their claims contradict what God has revealed. And just a simple search comparing what they said with what God has said will prove that God is true and they lied to you. For example, Mormonism and polygamy tells you to follow their religion and their religious men whom they call prophets. But God said, don't do that. We have a quote. Psalm 56, 4. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? No, sweet. I love that. And I love this passage from Jeremiah 17. We're reading verses 5 and 7, but it's worth reading the whole thing. Thus says the Lord, 
Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. And then a couple verses later, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. You know, that that who trusts the Lord, that's a verb. That's something you actively do. Right. But if your trust is the Lord, that's a concrete reality that mm-hmm. you lean on. Mm-hmm. Right. So both of those things will, will bring blessing an and sense yeah. of well-being. Exactly. To your, to your life. And, and confidence. Yeah. And confidence on the day of judgment. <laughs> well, and cursing, too. When it says, cursed is the man, that doesn't mean God goes, you're horrible, right? Mm-hmm. That that word means you are just destined for a life that is devoid of blessing. And power. Of prosperity, of goodness, of health, of, you know, you're just destined for trouble mm-hmm. if you trust in humans. If you trust in man yeah. instead of God. Exactly. Love that, Dorothy. Thanks. You know, uh, uh, Mormonism indoctrinally repeats uh, the warning not to trust in the arm Mm -hmm. of flesh, yet they expect (laughs) you to trust in the arm of flesh. (laughs) Your leaders are to be revered and believed and obeyed, and they are the arm of flesh. They warn you against believing people outside your group, then provide their own authorized reading materials. God said, don't do that. This quote horrifies me. Every time I run across it, it just gives me shivers. Mm. It's from uh, Ward Teacher's Message, the Deseret News, uh, 1945. So it's been around a while, but I've never heard anybody refute it. Right. When our leaders speak, the thinking has been done. When they propose a plan, it's God's plan. When they point the way, there is no other which is safe. When they give directions, it should mark the end of the controversy. God works in no other way. To think otherwise without immediate repentance may cost one his faith, may destroy his testimony, and leave him a stranger to the kingdom of God. And then this (laughs) second quote is just like it. When the prophet speaks, the debate is over. Now that's from 1979. That's much more recent. Several years later and more recent, yes. Yes. But that, like you say, makes you shudder. Oh, it just denies our inability, our ability to think for ourselves and evaluate truth. Exactly, exactly. And from my own personal experience, that instills fear mm-hmm. in the listener, in the member, not to even think about doing something, you know, from your right. own um, decision. Because it's going to cost you your faith, destroy your testimony, and leave you a stranger to the kingdom of God. Yeah. Well, that's fearsome. That's a threat. That's a fearsome mm-hmm. thing. Threat. Yeah. Threat. Fear. They, they they rely heavily on fear in their religion. Now, if your thinking has been done, they don't want you to think for yourself. You must rely on them. Right. Uh, trusting the arm of flesh. Isn't that trusting? Or at least on flesh? their fleshy brain. <laughs> at least their Yeah. <laughs> but God wants to protect you and your family from falling into the trap of human religious leaders like that when the only man you should be following is is Jesus himself. Hmm. Acts chapter 4. Acts 4.12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So forget what your religious leaders say and study what Jesus said. That's all. That's that simple. It's just that simple. Even the man King David from 3,000 years ago admitted in Psalm 119, verse 105, that God's word was a lamp unto his feet 
shining light on his mm-hmm. way so we wouldn't stumble and fall. Step by step. Mm-hmm. Uh, step by step. And time has not changed that truth. This is what the Apostle Paul tells us about his journey in following Jesus, and it may surprise you. Oh, I love this. <laughs> Paul says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And then from 1 Corinthians 2, 2, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. All he wanted ah, to talk about was Jesus yeah. and how he died for us. What he did for us, yeah. what he did, not what we do for him, what he right. has done, has done already for us. Now, I ask our viewers, if you're from Mormonism or from polygamy, is this how your religious leaders teach you to follow mm-hmm. Jesus? Why such emphasis on the cross? Isn't it just exalting a murder weapon, which I was told all my life uh, uh, in the kingdom and polygamy group that all of Mormonism also expresses that same thing, thinking of wearing a cross is just wearing a murder weapon. But the cross of Jesus is the story of God's love, of his grace and mercy towards us, towards sinners, and we're all sinners. The cross is the story of the Apostle Paul's salvation and the salvation of anyone who ever receives God's gifts of eternal life. They must first meet Jesus at the cross. That's where he paid for your ticket to heaven. You know what? Polygamy does not buy your ticket to heaven. But that's nonsense. That's foolishness in the Mormon religion. We quote from 1 Corinthians. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So the cross is important. Mm. It's important to biblical doctrine and to biblical salvation. Nothing in Mormonism or polygamy can match it in power to save anyone. They've replaced Jesus' sacrifice on the cross with polygamy. They've made polygamy, the polygamy group, or in the LDS, they made their church the Savior, but they have no power to save. And anyone can come to the cross of Jesus and receive mercy, grace, forgiveness, and His gift of eternal life. No Mormonism required. No polygamy accepted. For those who don't want God, who don't want to trust the Bible as it is, who would rather have Joseph Smith or anyone else or nothing instead of Jesus. There's no other way. There's no other way. And by the way, Jesus did not condone religion or religious rituals or religious commands and ordinances. Read Matthew 23. Read John chapter 10. And about Mormonism's over-the-top use of the concept of ordinances, check this out. This is very helpful. Paul writes to the Ephesian church in chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. For he himself, he's talking about Christ, is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Abolish that. That makes me think of Colossians 2, 14, where he says, you know, the debts and the decrees against us were nailed, nailed to, to the, the cross. cross. Uh-huh. God put them to death in the death of Jesus. Ordinances nailed to the cross. And then Hebrews 8, 13. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what's becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. You know, Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. And in his death, the law, which required the penalty for sin, 
was fulfilled. Fulfilled in Jesus. And we trust in that mm -hmm. when we come to the cross. Exactly. It's Absolutely. just so simple. Simple. And so straightforward and so beautiful. And it couldn't, that could never have been a man-made doctrine. No. Because no. man always focuses on him, where this focuses on Jesus. And you know, we talked a minute ago about Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And don't you get it? If you're looking at me, you're seeing the Father, you're mm -hmm. seeing God. It's in the sacrifice of Jesus that we see the love of God. It is. Right? You want to see is. God? Look at Jesus. Yeah. That's the yeah. way the story goes. His, his, <laughs> the cross shows his love for us it's and so his beautiful. hatred for sin. It's just mm. magnificent. Uh, and all the ordinances that Mormonism loves to use, say the ordinances and commandments are yeah. big. they big on those words. But they're worthless. The, mm -hmm. the, the Mormons, Mormon ex, uh, ordinances are totally worthless. They've been abolished. They're obsolete. They're vanishing. They have no power with God or for eternal life. Jesus dying on the cross completely wipes it out, just like we've been saying. Instead, genuine believers who follow the biblical Jesus live in freedom. Now, that's not freedom to sin and fulfill our evil desires, but freedom to live our lives under the guidance, the blessing, and the grace of Jesus. Freedom to get married or not. Freedom to drink coffee or not. <laughs> freedom to put gas in your car or mow your lawns on Sunday. Freedom not to be bound to wearing religious undergarments in perpetuity. No, Jesus paid the price for our eternal life, for our sins, for our peace. He set us free from religious ordinances. The Book of Mormon claims to be the fullness of God. Or the fullness God's of the gospel. gospel. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that in addition to the Bible, it contains the fullness of the gospel. Then Mormonism proceeds to redefine what the word fullness means. So the online dictionary here says fullness means the quality or state of being filled completely to the utmost capacity, right? Right up to the top. Uh, yeah. How can nothing you, more can go in. Nothing more can go in. It's complete. <laughs> it's full. <laughs> so if the fullness of the gospel is continued, is contained in the Bible, as, as they claim, um, and the Book of Mormon is also the fullness of, uh, of the gospel, and yet they're different. Uh, one of them isn't needed. <laughs> if the fullness of the gospel is contained in the Book of Mormon, why does the Book of Mormon tell us that we're saved by grace after all we can do? That's not what the Bible what says the, Bible the fullness says. of the gospel is. Something's wrong. The fullness of the gospel actually is in the Bible alone. And if someone has what they claim to be a revelation from God, the Bible is the only measurement for the truth of that claim. If it agrees with the Bible, then that revelation wasn't needed to start with. If it disagrees with the Bible, it wasn't a revelation from God and isn't needed anyway. After my own escape from the Kingston group, I threw it all out because I knew only ugly lies about God, and I didn't know they were lies. But God delivered me. God showed me the truth, and the truth is lovely. It is sweet, desirable, and peaceful. If you're afraid, as I was after I first escaped polygamy, if you're afraid to turn to God or to the Bible, you need to know that He is not who you were taught He is. If you're from polygamy and have been told not to read the Bible, but to listen to the leadership and their teachings instead, that is a red flag. God is good. False prophets and false religions, even the secular community, don't know the true God. They make all kinds of claims against Him. But instead of believing what people say, 
try checking out what God really did say. The Bible isn't just a good book written by man. Jesus isn't just a good man making wise philosophical statements. And polygamy was never substituted to become anyone's savior. God hasn't blessed you because you're a polygamist or a Mormon. God blesses because God is good. And we hope this helps people make a decision to look it out, check it out. Amen. I got nothing to add to that. (laughs) Thank you, Dorothy. (laughs) Appreciate your input. (laughs) When we choose to follow Jesus, who is God and Savior, we are not promised a perfect life without troubles or sickness or problems. In fact, Jesus told us in advance that we would have trials and tribulations. But he said, take heart. I have overcome the world. To overcome the world ourselves, we need to be in Christ. Life's hard. Most humans would agree to the truth of that statement. But you can have a hard life without Jesus or a hard life with him. And I've done both. And I'd much rather have a hard life with Jesus than one without him. Not religion, not church, just Jesus. Now, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Jesus invites us to come to him, to cast our burdens on him, and he will give us rest. We've done that, and it's true. I know many from polygamy who have also trusted Jesus and have cast their troubles on him, and he gives emotional and spiritual rest. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the Prince of Peace and that he is our peace. But those promises are only for those who will reject a false gospel and embrace Jesus alone as God and Savior. We urge you to do that. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.